In this episode, we spoke with Carolina Giraldo, founder and creator of Carolina Lifestyle, who told us about her life, inspirations, and her career, which includes her beginnings in the clothing industry, the processes and the challenges and opportunities she has encountered along the way, as well as the current state of operations of a business. Carolina, like many immigrants in Australia, was presented with countless difficulties shortly after her arrival. But Australia, a country she describes as a land of opportunity, provided her with the tools that combined with her early interests, personality, and Colombian roots, allowed her to materialize one of her biggest projects. This is Carolina Lifestyle, a unique Australian brand that captures a European lifestyle and Colombian craftsmanship. Carolina is an inspiration for women, immigrants, entrepreneurs, and many others. In this interview, she kindly provides us with tips on how to overcome challenges, make the best of our opportunities, and she also guides us through one of her main strengths that she gained and has imported from Colombia. This is her can-do attitude. Please join us in listening to this inspirational interview. Carolina Giraldo, thank you very much for accepting this invitation. Um, it is truly a pleasure to have you in the Australia-Colombia Dialogue podcast. We were just talking about uh, how we were trying to chase you up uh, for quite some months, but the pandemic got in between us. Uh, but again, thank you very much for your time. How have you been? My pleasure. Thank you so much, Cesar, for having me today. Um, the pleasure is mine to be here. And yeah, look forward to sharing my story with all your listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. Look, um, many people know about you, particularly in Australia and both obviously in Colombia as well. Uh, they know you for your successful business. I know the business went through, through obviously like many other businesses, through a very, very hard time during the pandemic. But I think we will have time for that. What I would like to start with is, is how, how do you end up in Australia? I ended up in Australia because um, I was, uh, I was 19, 20 in, back in Colombia and I come from a family where everyone is a lawyer or a doctor. So um, I was the first one out of the whole family to say, uh, look, guys, I'm really not going to follow your footsteps. I need to do something okay. differently. And they said, well, if you don't want to do that, then you need to learn English. And that's how I ended up in Australia. Literally, I thought it was going to be a six-month adventure and I was going to return back home and ended up being uh, probably like a long, lifelong adventure because I've been here almost 20 years now. Uh, but yeah, the first intention was literally just to learn English. That's it. Because when I arrived, I didn't know a word. So, <laughs> so. And did, you, did you arrive to, to which city? Melbourne, Sydney. Sydney? Yep, Sydney. Sydney. But yeah. now you're based in Melbourne, right? No, I'm actually based in Sydney still. Oh, yeah, I've been in still. Sydney. Yeah, I've been in Sydney the whole time. Okay. So from Manizales, am I correct? To all the way yeah. to Sydney. From Manizales all the way to Sydney. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So, you know, big memories of those days, um, as you can imagine, and a lot of people that will be listening here will relate to it. We arrived to a brand new country in which we found, find a brand new culture as well. And yeah, for me, it was a big challenge 
you know, uh, from the get-go, English. Um, Do you have yes. any any friends, any any yes. support so network I in had, your life? Right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did, and I will always be very grateful to them. I had a lovely family that we I am related to, and they were they embraced me, and they were very 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 special to me. They were my um, dad's cousins, and then they were amazing to me during my first um, year here in Australia. And I also had two school friends that I went to school with back in Colombia, Manizales, and they were living here as well. So that also made easy, a little bit easier than tra that transition. Yes. Um, yeah, it was, they also took me under the wing and it was fantastic to have them here as a little support network. Oh, that very lucky, very lucky because you know, coming uh, into Australia and having, you know, imagine without any relative, any friends, uh, it could have been even worse. More Correct, difficult. yeah. Uh, but uh, how were those early days, apart from learning English? Uh, well, what was going through your mind? I, I guess um, creating the brand was not initially in your no, mind during those days? As, again, as most of, you know, the listeners will... I, we, um, identified themselves literally i was doing every single job you name it and i have done it. <laughs> every single student job i think that i never say no to anything you you name it anything i will do and it was that challenge you know having a different um in colombia you know it's just so many things that uh, we don't necessarily do but when we come here and we you have to start from scratch yeah. then you have to raise to the occasion and it is your can-do attitude that will and your perseverance that uh, will shine through and i just thought you know what you name it i will do it nanny house sitting babysitting pet sitting working in hotels hospitality whatever i just you know in those days we didn't even have google i just remember looking at people and okay yeah i can do the job i'm pretending <laughs> that you had experience <laughs> <laughs> and they're going out there. Yeah, yeah, I can do it. And sometimes I couldn't. Sometimes you didn't. And 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 another really good memory of those days is you know. And I think that as Colombians, we have a very um, can-do attitude. Can you yes. do this? And then even if we don't, we'll say yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> we're experts. <laughs> we're experts. We're yes. experts. Even if we cannot do it, we will say. Yes, I will do it. And that also, even if you even if you don't do it, um, it just shows that your interest and then the other person is more is more willing to teach you <laughs> how to do it. So um, I had a family that I worked for for many, many, many years, and uh, they were amazing to me. I'm still in touch with them. And they laugh because everything that they said that they need, I was like, yeah, don't worry, I can do it, I can do it. <laughs> some things I knew how to do it and some things I had no idea how to do it but um, it created that relationship and that report and, and the report with them and especially that trust yes you know they will trust me with so many things and um, yeah so th that's how those early days look like not a lot of English so that was another headache uh, I will go into a restaurant and I will ask my Best friend, I was, can you please ask for this? I want that. I wouldn't even have the courage of ordering food. Um, 
or going into a store and feel so frustrated because no one would understand what I was trying to say. So for anyone out there listening, <laughs> keep trying and keep practicing that you'll get there. Um, and then, yeah, those early days were a big battle. And at the same time, you know, those long days while you're trying to juggle work because, you know, Australia is not yes. a cheap country. So you you have to work to to help yourself to get by. Yes. yes. And then yes. also you're trying to learn. And then you combine both and you're working, but then you're also tired to learn. Of course. And yeah. we've all been through that one. And you're, like, you're trying to learn, but you're so tired of <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Exactly. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work, but um, clearly, I think you your can-do attitude is essential for business. But I'm curious about if if during those early days you uh, did it ever cross through your mind uh, going back to Colombia? How was you know missing home? No, never, because when I left. My family thought that I was only going to manage to be here for three to four months maximum. And the moment the tough times would start, they were certain that I was always going to go back. And I remember one of my uncles looking at me saying like, oh, what a waste. The moment it starts to get hard for you there, you will be back like that. And I was like, yeah, thank you for the challenge. I'm not going to come back. You proved them wrong. <laughs> exactly. And I'm really close to him right now. And he, he still says to me, I don't know why I said that. Because, <laughs> you know, I was a teenager. I was the only, I was the eldest um, granddaughter. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, they were really nice. I come from a very traditional conservative family. So, I, you know, they never thought that it was going to be that long. During those early days, didn't cross my mind to come back. I knew that there was a task. I knew that there was a challenge, and I knew that at least I needed to learn English before I came back. Okay. And um, I had so many experiences. I met so many beautiful. I, I mean, you know, I was very lucky the way everything turned out because um, there were some beautiful families that I worked for. And that made the experience really enjoyable. So that, you know, kind of like make me embrace Australia even more because I felt that I was well looked after and I could see, you know, you work hard, you, you persevere. And I, I, I found that Australia is the land of opportunities. And another thing that I found in Australia, which I, you know, I, I thought I was fascinated even from those days is here when they see that you're willing to learn when Australians and in this culture, when they see that they you have an idea, they want you to succeed. Yeah. And it has something that has been with me through, you know, my university days. I went to university here and also now running the business. You know, the way people support you here is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You get that feeling that uh, people, they, they really want that you do well. Whatever it is, your job, your business, your studies, um, very genuinely um, and generous people. Uh, correct, correct. Selflessness yes, totally agree. Uh, is, is part of is part of the Australian culture. But precisely, I want to I, I want to touch on that. What were your first impressions? Uh, like, 
you know, you, you are impacting to the new country. Uh, how were your first impressions? Because I remember, I tell you my mind, uh, the first few days is like, I remember I arrived to Sydney, this was 2008, and I thought, wow, it, it was raining, it was April, uh, and I thought, oh, is this the right decision? <laughs> I couldn't go back. <laughs> I have to also prove some people wrong back at home. But, but, but what was, uh, what was your, your first impression? Probably the same. I arrived literally in July. So it was the middle of winter. It was really, really, really cold. For me, like, you know, my city is not that cold. And as you know, in Colombia, we don't have those March seasons. So it was cold. Um, but I don't know. For me, it was just the timing. I think that the timing was just perfect. I, you know, it was just like a box of challenges slash opportunities has just opened. And, you know, just so many things that I, because once, when, when you're in Colombia and they say to you, you know, you can work 20 hours a week and then that can help you to get by, blah, and, you know, but then you get here and then you start knocking doors. And it is not like, I don't know, I found it, but some people it's very easy and like everything in life for some people, it's not that easy. So, you know, you, you finding that you, you learning, but at the same time it's the pressure I need to find a job. And then I might be able to, I'm going to be able to cope with everything. And it's just those emotions and my impression at the beginning of the people, I don't know, look, I was very, very lucky. As I said, the family that I uh, landed with at the beginning, they welcomed me with open arms and that really helped. And I, from those early days, I have friends that I am very, very close friends here and that became my family. So I kind of like from those early days started to create a support network that has been instrumental to everything that I have done in Australia. And I feel blessed that I have them in my life. And as you know, and again, a lot of people would identify here, is that when you live away from your family, your friends become your family. Yes, yes, indeed. With indeed. the good and the bad and everything. Yes. So, <laughs> with everything, because you spend so the much whole time package. with them. Yes. Exactly, the whole package. So then, you know, I've been very, very, very lucky to have them part of my life through all this um and yeah it was it was like hey you're here but you're not alone since the day since the get-go um i'm curious now uh, about when when did the idea of carolina lifestyle get when do you realize "Mm, i feel like i'm going to start up uh, this fashion uh, brand in Australia. How do you come up with that idea? Look, I think that to, for me to answer that question, I have to go back to tell you a little bit of me as a kid and growing up. I was the kid at school that always sold something. Always. So I was always, I've been always a hustler. <laughs> From the age six or seven, I was selling drawings. And then, you know, I was selling um, lollies and brownies and you name it. And then as time went past, I was, you know, in my final years of school, I was, of school, I was organizing every single social event. 
And I was like, the prom, I do it. The, you know, going up, like, school is, I do it. So I put my hand up to organize and to do all that. And as a business, you know, I remember that um, when it came, like, we used to so many things, party, the white party and the black party. I was always with a business idea in my head to a point in which I actually, in the last year of school, I gave up and I was like, I don't want to even, and I do recommend this. <laughs> But I was taking all my business plans to school and, yes. you know, all my list of who owed me money and, and my stock instead of notebooks. <laughs> and the, but I was very fortunate because the teachers saw that I was so good at it. <laughs> and it wasn't allowed, but they kind of didn't, really didn't stop me. They kind of natured it because they thought that I was just funny. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was the beginning. And then I always wanted, since I was a a little girl to um, run my own business. I always sold something. Um, my family, they um, have two charities in Colombia. One of them, they help uh, kids with uh, cardiovascular disease problems. So that's my aunt. And every year, for example, she was selling in order to collect funds for the charity, she was selling Christmas cards. Okay. So my dad, without even knowing, he told me the literally the concept of networking. It's like, hey, you know, you have those Christmas cards. I'm going to make five phone calls, friends of mine, and then you will go and sell to them. And then you're going to ask them to connect you with another five. So all of a sudden you're going to have 25 people that you're going to go and sell those cards with. And then every year I sold the cards. It was something crazy. Like I remember to this day, in one year, I sold 14,000 cards. You know, my city wow. is small. So, 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 um, so then those things really kind of like enhanced that sales side of me. Then I finished uni here. So I went to uni here. I did a bachelor of business and then I did a master's. But then when I was doing uh, the my bachelor, I was like, when am I going to get into it? And I was like, you know what? I just better come back to what I know <laughs> works for me and is selling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then I applied. So you had to go, you had to sit in the classroom to learn what you already knew. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and also, yeah. And when I said I want to stay in Australia, that's another story. But my parents, very traditional, they're like, no, no, no university or you come back here and do university yeah so they they were really clear we want a university degree nothing less than that yeah yeah so um then i thought sales and then i applied and i got a job with a company called uh, national foods it's a big fmcg and that was fantastic and then after that i went and i actually worked for another colombian company called down organic mm -hmm. and back then i After I did the food for the first time in Australia and I had a sales job, I was like going around to supermarkets and stuff. I was like, mm, I really need to sell something, but that is my own product. So I had the idea and then I had an amazing opportunity to work with another company called Down Australia at a different scale to National Foods. And that was fantastic as well because I obviously had the connection between Colombia and Australia and um It was great for me to, you know, have that experience and to see how a different type of business is run. You know, when you have the boss there and, you know, you're such an, it, it, in a small business, you have to wear a lot of hats. Yes, yes. 
and that gave me that opportunity, you know, to have a boss as a ment- and a mentor as well. So that was fantastic. And then it was a turning point. And then I thought, okay, so I, um, if I, 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 I need that something has to change. And then there was, um, I thought the time has come for me to literally work on something that I feel passionate about, mm-hmm. that I absolutely love. And that's how Carolina Lifestyle was born. I always loved clothing. I always, I um, from my grandma, she had a very good eye for clothing. And then, you know, I think that that was definitely passed on to, to me. I think that um, I, you know, putting things together comes naturally to me. Um, and then I thought, okay, so I better start like that. And it was during a holiday back in Colombia that I said to the people from literally the little factory next to my grandma's house, which again, I used to sell brownies and chocolates to them while I was growing up. I said like, what about making these samples? And then we <laughs> developed a small range and that's how Carolina, a small range of belts and handbags. And that's how Carolina Lifestyle was born. Yeah. Starting, uh, you had the idea, you had uh, the entrepreneurial spirit, it was running through your veins. You had um, obviously a clear uh, inclination to fashion. Um, but let's, let's talk about how difficult was actually to turn that idea into something material. How difficult is it to, for the people that are listening and they don't know, maybe they have an idea to how difficult is it to, to actually establish a company in Australia? Look, I don't think it's difficult to establish the company. And when you come from Colombia, because I also have a company in Colombia. So I, yeah, so I, I own the factory back in Colombia. And I know a lot of the things that we have to do there. I think that I found, I personally think that here, you know, the processes are a little bit more straightforward than what we have in Colombia. Um, and they even have different degrees. You can start as a sole trader. And then, you know, before you invest into register a company, it's kind of like they also help you to do that. You know, you have the different figures to move through the system as you grow, which I found really, really handy. People, what would I say to someone starting? Uh, look, find what your passion is and what really makes you think tick. Because running a business and having your and being your own boss is fantastic and it sounds really nice. But when the times get tough, the only way you can get through is by l- truly loving absolutely loving what you do because you know i couldn't get paid for many years i didn't get i didn't pay myself a salary and i just did it for the love of what i was doing and because i believed in my heart that i had a good idea many many years and i was very broke (laughs) very very broke and people wouldn't even know about it because you know um my husband was running his business and uh, I was not a big, I never been, been a big spender, but, but you, you have to believe in what you're doing and you have to love it to get through the tough times. Um, and, and, you know, to keep yourself focused and motivated because it's, that is, you know, a 
hard part as well when you're doing your own um, business and you're starting your own adventure, you know. Tell us, the, walk us through through your first actual, when you had your first product, then you brought it to Australia and said, okay, we're in business now. How, how was that feeling? And as a lot of the listeners will probably identify with this one as well, go and sell to friends. Yes. <laughs> so thank you to all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Purchased a very expensive handbag back then, $400. And I was like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you're not only buying quality, but you're also supporting my startup. <laughs> So, yeah, so that was, you know, so I will be forever thankful, thankful for them. So that was fantastic. You know, my friends, again, really, really supportive. Um, everyone in my network was happy to help, happy to lend a hand. Um, and then comes a time when you have to actually go and face the, I started the business and for the first five years, I did a wholesale model. And then basically for people that don't know wholesale, what wholesale is, it's like business to business. So I will go and sell my range into independent boutique stores all around Australia. Yep. And that's how the business was run for five years. And then I think that I got up to 120 stockists around Australia. Um, and the hardest part was like, it took me a year to go and speak to one of them. I just... I would just shake. I will just. I Why? Would just Why? Because no, because you know I wouldn't be able to grab the phone because mm -hmm. I tried a few times and with this accent that is never gonna go away. And now I just learned to embrace it because it's part of me and I actually like it now. And then when of I do course. my life, if they don't understand, I will just repeat. <laughs> That's it. I'll just repeat, and then. This thing was, um, so I tried and I called and people like someone with an accent, nothings. And I thought I'm just going to have to show up yeah. and do a cold call without yes. an appointment or anything and try to say, this is what I have for you. This is my brand. And that's how I did it. And that's how I built it. So um, it was very, when I look back, long days, I basically tour around Australia for three years with two suitcases, literally with a map in my hands, looking for boutique stores to go and sell my range. And wow. um, it was literally bit by bit, bit. Even my husband sometimes was questioning, like, really, you're putting so much effort into it. And a tax return will come and he's like, that, sorry, tax time will come. He's like, again, you didn't make any money. But it was a way for me to learn. And it was a way for me, and I don't know, I just believed in it so much. Believed, believed in it so much that I kept doing it and doing it until they said that between most of businesses, between year one, five, the time, and I remember thinking year five, and I was like, oh my God, I'm still like not making it, but I'm also not going to let it die. <laughs> you have put all this time, you have, you know, taken all this effort. It's the worst time to quit. Exactly. I was like, I have put all my savings. I have put all my effort. I've been sick so many times because of this. I just need to get through it. Yeah. And I just kept going. And when do you yeah. when do you remember that breakthrough when you you think, okay, we, we're finally you know 
turning the corner. Yeah. Where was it? When, so when the orders from the stores, so at the beginning it was just leather. And the moment that they saw me wearing clothing, like my clothing, my own clothing, they were always commenting on the clothing. And they, that was pieces that I was designing myself and then they were made in Colombia. And I was like, but it, they were, it was my taste. They were commenting on it. And I was like, okay, so there is something here. And then when I started to see that people start to embrace the clothing and the, and the leather, I felt like, okay, I have something here. And even my husband, who is my biggest supporter, my biggest supporter, I remember him saying to me, I need to focus on one thing and do it well, the leather. And I'm like, mm-mm. No, my guts is, and I do believe in my gut a lot. And I was like, no, I think that is a combination of both. Because I do have the, like, the idea for both. So then that's when I said, no, people are liking it. And then when you see the first person walking past that, you don't know. Oh, my God. And the first person that buys from you without having any kind of relationship, you know, you do a little pop up you do a little you know i used to um be, be a sponsor in an event called the high tea party it doesn't even exist anymore but up then it was a big thing and then when you have people random people that don't have a connection with you that not and they're not buying because you, you, they know yeah. you giving you the money then that's okay i do have something in here oh wow Amazing. Um, so, how, how has the the, the model, uh, the business model, changed? Because, uh, and I'm trying to get into your first store because obviously you started as a wholesaler. Uh, you pick up some, you know, you saw the breakthrough, and how do you moved into, you know, actual stores? Okay, so my first, um, that's uh, a lot, like, big part of the business change there. Basically, what happened was. Um, I hired a sales manager and um, she, so she was selling to uh, wholesale clients and then November came around and then she said to me, look, Cairo, uh, when I go and see customers, they already have done all the buying for the season. They don't really want to see me. And then I was like, oh my God. And then how, what, how I'm going to pay her November and December I was stressed. The, the model was still only wholesale. And then I thought, you know what? We need to do something. We need to do something. But it was tricky because I needed to do something that wasn't going to upset my current customers. Uh-huh. And I was driving down to go and do something at the airport, probably to pick up a stock. Because at those days, I was so desperate that I would go and get the stock myself. I wouldn't even wait for them to bring it. So uh-huh. then probably I was doing that. And then I I drove past Supercenter in um, Supercenter in the, the shopping center, the homemaker. What's the name? Yeah, in um, I forget now the name of the store, but it was more like a homemaker center. And I thought, what about here? I don't have anyone that I'm selling to people here, and also they're big toy stores, big homewares stores. And I was like, okay, well, this will be perfect. And the next day I went there and I inquired for the little kiosk pop-up store and they said, yeah, sure, welcome. We have this one. And the location was pretty good because it was right in the middle of the center. And then I thought, you know what? Even if I have to be there with her, with your person that was employed by the business at the time. And then we do a little pop-up store 
through December in the lead up to Christmas, if it gives me enough to pay her salary for two months, I'll be happy for that. And then we did it. And that changed everything. Wow. Because that connection, because first of all, it was the first time that I saw the client paying for the, for the current range, you know, like, and then I just saw firsthand what they thought about the product. I learned what they like about the product. I learned what I had to improve and all that. And then, so that was fantastic. We, we made more than for two months of salary, which was great as well. Uh, and that, so first goal was ticked. Then the, the, that was closed. And then after that, we thought, okay, what are we going to do? You know, the wholesale model keep going, but we saw that there was an opportunity there to go to market in a different way, direct to consumer. And then I went um, and I had, was having a coffee at Westfield on the junction with uh, one of my closest friends. And we, you know, she was very aware of this, the whole roller coaster of the business. Have, you have here, and then two months after you don't have anything. And then she was very aware. <laughs> so um, I said to her, I don't know. And then while we we're having coffee, I saw people, like probably five people walking past wearing my belts or my bags or my top. And then, you know, oh, she's wearing it. She's wearing it. And, you know, and I said to her, you know what? Maybe here. And she goes like, you need, she was the one pushing it. You need to contact them. You need to contact them. So I left that coffee. I contacted Westfield. And Westfield, back at that moment in time, and was looking for interesting retail, you know, something different. Mm -hmm. Then I had a meeting with them and the rest is history. That's it. They basically um, like the product, like the, you know, what I was all about. And, and you know, they've been um, great to me and to the business through the good times, the hard times. And that's how the first um, kiosk store was born. Yeah. And then I also thought, because I never thought that I was going to, I never, it was never in my plan to have all the stores that we have at the moment. I just thought one store and, you know, I can take my kids to a local school. I have the store and then um, close in an area quite close. I live close to Neutral Bay and they were redeveloping a site and i always said i want to store there because it's I, and because of my experience with food i knew where the people were buying and the demographics yeah. of the area as well so I, I always said i want to store there and then it took two and a half years for a building to develop and sell and stuff but i put my name down and i started talking to the owners so you, and the you, you, you put it all so, and then all that happened at the same time, the, the kiosk was working in Bondi Junction at the time. And then I felt pregnant. And the day my first child was born, they sent me a message saying, you can now open the store. And I was like, oh my God, I just had a kid. <laughs> Another so baby. I, I don't feel that I had two babies at the same time. And then oh. that's how, and slowly, slowly, that's how the stores um, developed. Do you still remember the day you opened? Wow. Totally. The first day I opened Bondi Junction, I will for, forever be thankful to Rochelle, uh, my best friend. She basically said I couldn't pay anyone. And she set it up with me. So we entered Bondi Junction at three in the afternoon, let's say on a, on a Wednesday. 
and we left at 6 a.m. So we set up through the night. We stay all the night up, making sure that this store looked beautiful. And then I went, had a shower at her place, and came back to work. To actually open it and run it. To actually sell. And then a really good friend of mine turned up at like 11. No sales. And she was so kind. She came from... ah, She's lovely. She doesn't live here anymore, but she was very, very supportive also of the business. <laughs> she came at 11 to say hi. How is it going? And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> no sales yet. So that, but that's a matter. They will come. They will come. Yeah. I think that I saw probably like two things to strangers that day. One to her and another one to a lady that is now my general manager. <laughs> but it was tough. And then I was just, no. And then as the week now, it should be probably the beginning of the week because as the week went past, it got better and better and better and better. And, and yeah, it's slowly, slowly, the airport came along and they said we want the same concept at the airport. So I never had to go and say, like, hello, I want a store here. They came to us, to me, to us, to me. How's the <laughs> so, like, we want the same. And then um, slowly, that's how everything developed. And then... Yes. Westfield saw the reaction of the customers and that's how we started to grow more kiosk stores and the more stores and um, a following, which is now our community. That is uh, ultimately what has made us thrive during the good times and the, you know, not so good times. So, um, so how, how has your role changed? Because uh, you were doing everything from, uh, you know, uh, picking up the stock, setting up the the kiosk, uh, running, you know, opening new shop, uh, but I'm assuming your role has changed a lot, uh, and trying to get into more into the leadership, uh, working with your own team, building your team, which is is something very interesting for for people to know because. You might have an idea, yes, running a business might be the same thing, you know, anywhere, but but when it comes down to people, it's different. Uh, so working culture, how do you build up a multicultural team and you being, bringing your own, you know, Colombian flavor to it? So there's two sides to that. So as you're going through the fast growing pace of the business. Basically, as a small business owner, you need to wear many hats and you need to do pretty much everything. Okay. And, and then as the business grows, basically, what I think, and I'm just going to share my experience here, I have identified which part of the business I am really good for. And I have identified which parts of the business I need help with. Mm-hmm. And good help. So, you know, um, and I give you an example. Um, I think that I'm a creative person and I love working with the product. And as I said before, I have an eye for it. I have worked for a long time to really truly understand who my customer is and what they want. So that's my value to the business. Um, And then... I basically put all my effort into product. At, th- at this point in time, I put all my effort into product marketing and developing that side, that side of the business, which I love. And I also, I know that I can add value to it. Mm-hmm. And then it comes the other part of the business where you really have to put 
you have to, uh, and this is a saying in English, which I think that applies perfectly well here. You have to sit the, you have to sit the right people on the right seat of the bus. So when I, you know, for example, here is accounting, is human resources, is just so many different areas. You know, um, managing people, yeah, managing people. I have a general manager that manages them most of the time because you know that is not my effort. That that is not my um, sorry, uh, the the word in English. That is not my forte. Mm-hmm. So I have managed to. I have very good people, fantastic good people around me that that literally together we run the business. Um, we, I mean, we have almost 200 employees wow. and it is just, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think that finding the right people and sit them on the right seat to do what they love and what they feel passionate about together with what you're doing that is where you create the magic and that's where, you know, everything starts to um, to run and to grow. And you see how everyone big brings something very valuable to a table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so clearly you, you have, you have worked a lot. Uh, you put every single skill and experience that you have accumulated over the years to make this successful company. But, um, but we have to talk about the hard times. I know, I know. You know, during the pandemic, uh, you know, your business suffered a lot. How has the pandemic and the effects it brought on your business changed your mentality? How, where is the direction of the company now? Look, the pandemic was a moment in time that obviously changed everyone's life. And when I look back now and a reflection of what happened, I think that. I'm very blessed to be Colombian because we are made for crisis. Like we, I remember um, in 2009 listening to, uh, back then he was the president of the Andy. He was giving a speech here in Australia, Luis Carlos Villegas, and um, he he was talking about um, the import, like, you know, he was, in the middle of 2009, in the middle of a global financial crisis, he was talking about how Colombians, we are so used to it. And you know, and you try to look for the bright side of things. And that is definitely um, what has got us through the pandemic, the most difficult time in business. And it's still really, really challenging. Um, to this day, because now we are dealing with all the effects. First of all, we are still in a pandemic. It's just, you know, we are at a different stage, but we're dealing with all the consequences of everything that happened. So for us, it was very tough. My toughest moment was that I was pregnant and I was eight eight months pregnant. I was literally about to um, get into hospital. And I had a fan, I have a fantastic um, doctor that he really understood my story and he really understood my circumstances, mm-hmm. and he was very in touch with that. And he wanted to make sure that I was going to get through it and that I that to, to get through it, um, and and I was well looked after. And he called me and he says to me, "Look, Carol." It's looking like you're not going to even have Jamie with you going to the hospital 
So I need to prepare you for that. And I also want to find out what's happening with the business because that is a big part of you and you must be really stressed and the baby's feeling all that. So he was fantastic. Um, it was a very, very difficult moment. So Camila was um, due in April and the pandemic was declared at the beginning of March. And that was horrendous because literally it was having like a tap close. That's it. All of a sudden you have all these expenses, you have everything going you know, and then boop, all closes and then you just can't help it but ask yourself, what have I done wrong here? Like, why no one told me that? And I just kept asking, what did I do so wrong that no one told me? I was blaming myself and then I thought, no, but the whole world was is going into the same thing. So it was a panic time. It was like a really scary, scary, scary time, the most scary time of my life running the business and then you start getting all the messages from all the people in Colombia please don't leave me without a job please I have four kids please I have two families everyone lost their jobs already and then I was like but up to so I have to sit down with my husband and said okay so up to where are we gonna go into personal debt to save the business yeah and then we said okay from here to here and then Something that I have done quite disciplined since probably like five years ago when the whole marketing changed worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, no, like for us as a small businesses was to yeah. start investing in a good website as good as I could and um, a social media marketing. And then we just said, okay, well, let's, this is going to be our strategy. This is how we're going to get through it. And I mean, we have to literally reinvent ourselves. At the beginning of the year, I normally sell tops for people to go, for women to go to work. That was like my main range. And then here I was literally understanding what lingerie was because that's what they wanted. So change my my production line do a whole new collection when the one that we had there was ready to go. So changing everything, literally I was working 24 seven. It was crazy. I moved a little table to my room and I was working from them because I was going around the stores until my husband and my general manager said to me, this is it. You're pregnant. You cannot be going around anymore. You need to go start isolation. So I basically started isolation six weeks before everyone else did. Everyone else. Mm. So, then we redesigned the whole range, we made a plan, and then um, we started to adapt quickly. So, okay, for the customers here, we're going to look lingerie, but we have a whole force in Colombia that what are we going to do with them? And then, um, okay, what are we going to do? PPE. And they start doing, but do, do you know how to do that? No, what, what fabric do we use for that? And then my dad was helping, and then I said, you know what, dad, I'm so sorry, but I cannot keep people employed, and then in the meantime, I'm going to go bankrupt. So no, it's not. And he said, and he said something to me. He, he's a, he loves, he works with a lot of people. He runs hospitals. And he said to me, at this moment in time, you do not let anyone go. And you do your absolutely best to keep that business going. And I I received a phone call from Colombia saying, your dad just sent us, um, crazy amount of meters of fabric to make anti-fluid fabric to make uniforms 
And I'm like, how? And then I call him and he goes, I don't know, you figure it out. And I was like, okay. But in the back of my mind, I thought, okay, he's going to buy it for the hospitals. I finished the range. I finished everything as he asked me to do. And he goes, no, I cannot buy it from you because it's conflict of interest. Here are five numbers. Here are five friends. You go and look for them. They already know that you're going to call. So it's kind of like it was, we go all back to when I was a teenager. And then I started selling in Colombia, managing it from here with my team there, trying to sell what we could to keep them going, to keep them busy. And literally, I only wanted to pay my basics there. But so we did that. So we did the loungewear, then we did the PPE. Then we came up, you know, um, there were some jackets that in Colombia people were loving that you could cover up, up to your nose. Then we did those ones as well. And I had a couple of influencers in Australia that embraced them. And they did a lot of publicity for that for us. And that helped me a lot to keep everyone until everything kind of started to change and people started to shop online a lot. Okay. And then that we started to see that trend going, people shopping online, you know, there were, um, we, the, what we forecasted, you know, we, we were on point and a little bit better than what we initially planned. So I started to see the light and we just kept going and kept going. And, you know, it was very lucky that we didn't have to let anyone go. In fact, instead of letting them go in Colombia, we doubled our capacity. Wow. Which is fantastic. I absolutely love the people that I work there. Um, it's hard now because it's just so many of them. And before I used to know, I know them, you know, I know them, their families, their husbands, like yes, the whole. Yes. Yeah. So it is, a, it is a beautiful part to the business as well. Um, that definitely makes us different. And, you know, it's nice. And, and then the mentality of the customer worldwide changes which actually plays to our favor as well, because, you know, I know where my clothes are made. I know who made them, which materials are we using? And that adds to Carolina lifestyle being different yeah. and unique, yeah, a unique operated in a retail environment where the majority of the clothes and the products that you find are made in China. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. What a, what a story, Carolina. I want to uh, start closing uh, the interview by asking you, you're an incredibly busy person. <laughs> I think everyone everyone should be delighted to hear your um, your tips. How do you manage to, you know, be a successful businesswoman, a uh, great mom, wife, uh, team member, uh, coach, mentor, all of that. Look, the first thing is to accept that we're not perfect. And, you know, you cannot have everything. So I cannot expect to, we're not perfect. Understand who we are is the, is the first step and really getting comfortable with that, with who you are, the good and the bad things. I'm not perfect, but I'm actually happy with who I am and that takes time and you know um, it just takes a little bit of work on yourself and understand who are you and what you're all about um, look when it comes down to being a mom and um, you know a wife I treasure my time with the family so 
weekends are family and you know i i do my long long hours during the week and i am available when you run a business you know i don't believe in work-life balance and when they come to me and say like okay so i want to run my business and i want to work from you know nine to four and i am like "Hmm, okay well good luck with it because i have when you do it come and tell me how you did it you run your business, everything is an opportunity and you're always on, you yes. know, you know, you're always thinking. Um, I think that is the, I've been very lucky to have a husband that is amazing and he's very supportive. He runs himself to businesses as well. So he understands all the juggles and, and the compromises. And then I have two beautiful kids that understand that mommy works and they you know, they come to the office and they're part of it as well. And I don't look at it as tomorrow, for example, they paint in my house. I need to bring my kids to work. And I see it as an opportunity for them to learn yeah. so many things, to have contact with people. I don't see it, um, you know, I, I, I don't see it as, a, oh, and the kids go to work with you. For them, I see it as an opportunity to learn, to, to integrate to practice, practice their Spanish, which is, I think is fantastic. There's a lot of people here at the office speak Spanish as well. Um, so, and, and that, you know, time when I'm with them, I am with them. And then I think that the more I practice that, the better I get as well with time. Um, and in business, the same, you know, it's not perfect. You need to try 10 things for one of them to work really, really well. And, and it is in business is the combination of millions of different small actions that help you to get momentum. And to continue the momentum, you have to keep going all the way again to make everything kind of like tick. Yes, so yes. Um, that's, that's really, really, really important. And then um, that's it. And be at peace with who you are, with the good and the bad, and, and always be a dreamer. And don't stop dreaming because the moment that as a business owner you stop dreaming, then everything kind of like, wait, what's next? You're the one responsible for what's next. And you're the one responsible to bring the big ideas for everyone else to get the best of themselves to get you there. Thank you very much. Um, Look, I only have words of of gratitude uh, because uh, hearing your story, sharing your story with with the people listening, I am convinced people will find will find it very inspiring. You are uh, an inspiring woman, businesswoman, wife, uh, and uh, and I think people will benefit a lot from your story to see more women like you. Uh, running their businesses uh, and thriving even through hardship uh, and making sure that, you know, if you have an idea, follow it, work hard uh, and put everything into it that, um, look, they you can make it. You can make it in Australia. You can make it. Yeah. Hard work. It's nothing you cannot achieve through hard work. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, we wish you all the best in the years to come. Uh, it looks like apparently we're out of the pandemic. We we will include, you know, uh, notes uh, uh, and um, uh, hyperlinks to the store. We will encourage people to buy, 
hear your story, get to know your products, uh, and we wish well, you all... social media. <laughs> That would be fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much, Carolina. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, Cesar. Thank you so much for having me. And it's just been amazing to be able to share my story with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Australia-Colombia Dialogue Podcast. If you like this episode, please share, leave a comment, review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or in your favorite podcast app. You can find more about the dialogue at allscoldialogue.org. That is A-U-S-C-O-L dialogue.org or on any of our social media platforms where you can also connect with our team. Our show is presented to you by Cesar Alvarez, produced by Jose Ruiz, and edited by Ethan McMaster. This is the Australia-Columbia Dialogue, advancing and promoting our country's bilateral relations.